<laughs> no, don't edit yourself. Don't ever edit yourself. Seems like a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Be drinking raw. a beer? Just be raw. Hey, welcome to another episode of Key in the Lake Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We uh, are back to our usual routine of talking about whiskey after one episode break of discussing some beer and some barrel-aged brews with our good friends here at Beguile International Recording Studios, also known as Beguile Brewery. Um, it was a great episode with Kevin last week. Yeah, check, check that out if you haven't heard of that. Um, kind of it gets a little bit into more of the whole barrel aging process and how our dear friends here at Beguile Brewing, where we record majority of our episodes, uh, started their company and now has evolved into one of the best breweries in Chicago when they were the 12th, uh, well, 12th, 12th licensed brewery. Yeah, 12th licensed brewery. Yeah. So um, that's Wilson with me, as always. We're hanging hey, out here. Hey, young world. There you go. It's about time to start. Yeah. Uh, today's a very special episode. We have a very special guest. Very, very special, special. Very special very guest. Special. As, he's, special. as he's chiming in the background right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody, some may call him our white whale. Um, I would call him the great white whale. The great white whale. Yeah, yeah. the great white whale. I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> This I mean, is our Moby Dick, man. Don't you ever pick up a book? Goes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. to movies, we, we, we have found out yeah. as a pre-recording. Big movie um, buff. Some people also call him Uncle. I don't know. It's a lot, a lot of different titles. Well, let's call him Marty for today, though. Wilson, would you like to introduce Mr. Marty Duffy? I'd love to. It would be my great honor to introduce everyone to Martin Duffy, Mr. Whiskey, one of the very few old-school Diageo whiskey masters in the world still alive. <laughs> That's <Still> right. <laughs> Oh, I made it through the gauntlet. Uh, So many of my brethren have fallen. (laughs) Where'd they they fall to? Uh, The curb. (laughs) Vodka. Yeah, they sunk to vodka. That's horrible. Well, welcome to the show, Marty. Thanks, guys. Truly, you're somebody that Wilson and I have recognized in this whole world for the last few years since we've been in it. Um, Yeah. You were making fun of us a couple weeks ago for not having you on the podcast yet. No. I, did I bring we, that up? We no, were dead no, to you. That never. was exactly the dead. But in all seriousness, I would never thought someone of your stature would want to talk to a couple of yahoos like us. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was more of a just a, it was a very humble experience when you like when you actually wanted to come on and talk to us and. You know, your uh, your your niece was yelling at me as well through through you. Um, but My niece it's a proxy. was on twice. Hello. Yes. There's yeah. a third episode too. We just cut out completely. Yeah. Oh my God! That's right. Three times. Referring <laughs> to a good friend, Jamie <laughs> Duffy. Yeah, she might be dropping of the by collective slash yeah. thoroughbred with, consulting uh, with somebody from Gretzky. Oh, oh the master distiller. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So am I. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, great. it was it, it was it was great. It was a good time. When you're hearing this now. Yeah, oh, when you're yeah. hearing oh, this. My God. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, that shit. Gretzky. He really knows Get the fuck out of here. That He's was nuts. the bomb. His, yeah. his, his, his wrist shot? Yeah. Amazing. Crazy. Amazing. The sweaters. Forget about it. The sweaters. How he uh, <laughs> marinates all the whiskey with ho- hockey pucks. Mm. It's amazing. A lot of, lot of rubber in there. <laughs> Slightly icy. His first game for the St. Louis Blues, I was waiting for it to come on, and must was... What channel was Walker Texas Ranger on? Do you remember? Is it CBS? Uh, CBS Channel yeah. Two. So they were supposed to be airing the game, but Walker Texas Ranger was on on a Saturday night, and they never split to the game. And I was like, ha! I was so bummed. I was really? A, I was a Blues fan back then too. That's funny. Big Brett Hall fan, and it makes sense. But you know, Walker was my favorite TV show back then too. So it was a good consolation <laughs> prize. Love that show. Texas Walker Ranger. Wait, was it? Only Walker, Chuck Norris Texas could have slapped on some skates well, and then <laughs> just chased. Chuck's coming on next week, actually. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, John, Chuck could stoop. We're, we're going to talk about his early uh, movie career in the 70s and 80s. Nice. Um, and then transition probably more into the TV show. I was so pissed at the late Roger Ebert. In fact, it was the last time I ever listened to one of his reviews. Mm. Really? I don't know why people thought he was so revered as a uh, movie critic. Uh, because he gave Missing in Action, the first yep. one, three stars. Ooh. I went to go see that and... <laughs> People were wondering why I was kicking myself in the ass <laughs> on the way out. I thought, what the fudge was that? And this was the second missing That was action. the one where that he jumps out of the, he comes out of the water with that giant, yeah. the one that Mark, uh, Charlie Sheen makes fun of. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and Hot Shots. Hot shots. <laughs> he comes out of the water, he has that giant machine like gun. And 60 or something like that. Like yeah. that thing, like he wouldn't be knocked over in the water. Yeah. He has all this great balance in the water. With this enormous machine gun with these bullets all over. Uh, was but, that before or after Rambo came out of the water with a bow and arrow, I believe? Oh, well, bow and arrow is much was more arrow? realistic. Well, bow and arrow was that was Rocky, or I mean Ram- Rocky Rambo two, two, yeah, first Blood Part two. Big Rambo fan here. Uh, oh, sorry, I <laughs> 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 mean just step on sacred ground there. Um, the uh, I don't know, that's a good one. Yeah, but bow and arrow is different. Yeah. I mean, it's a bow and arrow. I could True. jump out of the water with a bow and arrow. I don't think I could we do that. We should test that theory. As, as Cupid, as a Cupid, yeah. Bring in that Care Bear as pool. A, as, a, as a very adorable cherub, I hope. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Love. What would uh, Ebert's Spring. review have been of Joker, you think? <laughs> what? What, what do you think it have been? Ebert's, Ebert's review of Joker would have been? Oh, he would have loved it. Yeah. yeah I think he would have loved it. Yeah. Uh, that's his kind of... His kind of movie, but what was I was just watching? What movie did he hate? That There's a lot of I them. was oh, man, any comedy. What was the film? Oh, but you know, even Siskel. If, yeah. For those of you who remember Gene Siskel, uh, I remember his review of Star Wars. He gave it three stars and said very forgettable characters. Oh. And I thought, Gene? Very forgivable character. Forgettable. Oh, forgettable. forgettable. Mm. And I Jesus. thought, wow, dude, could you have been more wow. wrong? Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got people, you know, still... Darth Vader might th- be the most iconic character of cinema history, but... It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yoda, Yoda's pretty high up there as well. So I, I, I will admit, Luke, Luke is a little bit of a Luke forgettable... Ghost? He's forgettable. How old is Star Wars now? 50 years well, his old? His name isn't. Good name. Skywalker's not. No, yeah. not 50. No. How old, how old uh, is 77 was the first one. Years. 42 years? Okay. 77, 80, 83, yeah. 99, okay. 2002. Because it came out in Just 77. Yeah. It's 42 years. Okay. Uh, 2005 was. <laughs> um, and then we got into, we got rid of all those um, prequels and thankfully. Got back into the meat of everything. Yeah. But well, I guess we could talk some whiskey here on this whiskey podcast. Yes, sir. Or we can keep making a movie podcast. You never know. Yeah, we can do whatever. It's kind of an it ambiguous name to our podcast, so no one really knows what it means in the first <laughs> yeah. place. What's Keen Lake? Don't worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. Just listen. Don't so, worry. Marty, tell us how did you get to where you are today? As far as whiskey, where whiskey came into your life and actually became a big, huge part of your life and still is to, to this day. Well, you know, so my my origin story, <laughs> much like the Joker, <laughs> um, started spinning boards on the sidewalk in Brooklyn. 
I was that. Or maybe I, that was I was the actually other. the big inflatable uh, floaty guy <laughs> in, front of, in front of a car lot. Uh, and I used to have people throw stuff at me as they drove by. Um, you turned I, to the bottle instead of I comedy. Was, I was in acting in the 80s. That's right. I did acting. Uh, I went to Second City Training Center. Me and uh, I like to drop uh, names every once in a while just so I can prove it wasn't false. Uh, Steve Carell <laughs> and I, I used to perform time. together. No shit. And then, uh, yeah, if I ran to Steve now, I'm sure he'd say, yeah, yeah, you want an autograph? And that'd be about <laughs> it. Um, the... Uh, uh, Andy Dick, and for those of you who know Dino Stamatopoulos, oh, yeah. if you're into especially a lot of uh, Cartoon Network stuff, mm-hmm. he did Moral Oral. Um, so I used to perform a lot with them. I do improv. We did theater. Uh, I did a lot of local theater, some really uh, low-rent commercials, some very, very low-rent movies that I don't think you couldn't even find online. Um, wow. And they were, hello, well, <laughs> relatively clean. Blockbusters. Um, they were. Um, anyways, I did that, and obviously, like most bart or most actors, I turned to waiting tables and bartending. I started waiting tables in the late '80s uh, at Rinaldi's on Lincoln. Hmm. Um, and then the Rinaldi's on Lincoln. The Rinaldi's on nice. Lincoln. Well, it was. Yeah. It was. Uh, I don't know if it's still, uh, still there. a go-to still, place, yeah. but man, still on there, Saturday night but, we would do. <clears throat> Twelve hundred covers. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, during the summer, that Holy patio was hot. Shit. It was a great place to, to make money. Uh, anyways, uh, my sister was bartending at Burton Place hmm. in Old Town, and then she was all started managing there. And she asked me to work the Well Street Art Fair. I did, and her general manager liked my hustle, so she asked, "Hey, do you want a, a bar shift?" I said, "Sure." And I had. Freaking no idea how to bartend. <laughs> I knew that you there's stuff in bottles and you pour it into glasses. Do you like this? Well, I mean, there was a time a guy, a guy do, do I take money? Do I actually ask them for money for that? Okay. All right, because I did it for the last 18 customers. So uh, actually, this one guy, uh, you know, a um, guy asked for uh, a Martell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... Uh, I didn't know about the whole ounce and a half pour thing. Ooh. All I know is that I knew it went to a brandy snifter, but I'm trying to remember every movie I ever saw where somebody had, you know, a brandy snifter, and I'm just thinking, I, I don't recall how much they poured. So I almost filled it up. And the guy, I just remember the guy going back to his buddy and said, oh, my God, look how much you gave me. And I go, oh, okay. I know I'm doing wrong. So, uh, and, th- and this, this goes to something that uh, actually comes into play later, is the fact that there was no training for anyone. Yeah. I mean, there were some cheesy bartender schools that yeah. you ask around, say, oh, man, uh, I paid 900 bucks to go there for two weeks, and I learned how to make a pina colada. <laughs> and I know that at this bar I was working at, at Burton Place, nobody was asking for a pina colada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a uh, couple years go on. I work at Burton Place. My sister was dealing with a lot of liquor promotions hmm. in the uh, at the bar, and she started getting the idea that hey, promotions is the where place to go to make money. Mm-hmm. So she started signing up for some promotions herself, uh, and then also she became a promotional manager. 
uh, and started a staffing company called On the Rocks, yep. which still exists today, but she sold it years ago. Gotcha. Um, anyways, she tells me she tells me about this. Um, oh, oh, so whiskey though. First, before <laughs> before I, uh, my brother Tim, Jamie's Jamie's father, dad, yeah. and myself were at a bar uh, at Bourbon Place. In fact, when we found out my uncle Chuck passed away, uh, and Uncle Chuck was, I mean, him and my aunt Rita, they always smelled whiskey. But I mean, they're really classy people. I mean, Chuck always you always saw Uncle Chuck with a tie and a coat. Love uh, Aunt Rita always had the dress the. Uh, pearl necklace. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like Ward and June. Nice. Uh, and but you know, Chuck had a Manhattan. Aunt Rita had a Scotch, usually Cuddy Sark, I believe. Nice. And so that smell, especially yeah. when we went over to the house, it stayed with me. And so Tim and I said, "Hey, you know what? In honor of Chuck, why don't we have a Manhattan?" Yeah. And I, to that point, I was probably I have a. If I had whiskey, it would be a whiskey sour, mm-hmm. a, a Jack and Coke, something like this. I have this Manhattan. I go, oh, my God, I love this. Yeah. This is great. And, you know, this was Burton Place in the early 90s. That Manhattan couldn't have been all that good. But um, <laughs> it was good enough that it really started me on this path. And next thing I know, I go to the Bar Louie that used to be on Chicago yep. Avenue and have Manhattan's, uh, Booker's Manhattan, straight up. Because oh, the really? small Shit. batch line came out right around oh, that so time. Oh, so this is the early 90s we're talking? Yeah, this is about 92. Oh, so this would have been about 90. I started working at a place called Tuta Posto, which used to be at the corner, no longer there. Tony Montuano's first restaurant of his own at hmm. Franklin and Erie. Oh. And we go down the street up Franklin to Chicago, and there was the original Bar Louie. And they had 10-ounce martini glasses, and I'd asked for a Booker's Manhattan straight up. Wow. Boom. I'd had three of those babies. (laughs) Wow. Before, you know, the world (laughs) world started turning green and stuff. Because that was another thing. I had no idea. Yeah. I knew it was strong, but no one knows what proof. Exactly. I didn't know. Nobody told me what proof was. (laughs) Or ABV? What is ABV for? At bat? (laughs) <laughs> you know, Vinny, you know, what is that green? It's I don't know. baseball percentage, yeah. 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 So um, uh, it was during, I think I was at, yeah, I was working at Tuta Posto when my sister tells me about this ad. They're looking for guys to run around the city in kilts, run into bars. There'd be like four of us. And we'd run into uh, a bar with coupons and we'd buy people drinks and each coupon was good for like three bucks off but we'd run a tab and so um, we, I go up to two girls and say hey, do you drink scotch? Of course not. What do you think we are, nuts? <laughs> okay, uh, well how, how about this? I'm going to buy you uh, Johnny Walker Red and lemonade. Ooh, it's delicious. Oh. I don't know if it is but I'm assuming <laughs> we'll every tastes, everything tastes good with lemonade. <laughs> And so, you know, that was our gig. And we run in and we do that for about 15 minutes and we run out and we try to, you know, give whatever talking points yeah. we had. Training was very basic. The kilts we were given, very we were called basic. the Kilted Clan, kilted which clan. nowadays might not roll so well with some folks. It's true. Um, but our, the kilts we were given were basically uh, plaid uh, dish towels. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. A lot of girth to those. Yeah. <laughs> they were, uh, I think I might still have the original one. I might still a have bit it. revealing, huh? Is They're, it your uh, kitchen towel? It look, now? Hey, you know what? If I wasn't such it, a big, burly, uh, masculine man, uh, someone would confuse me with a Catholic school. How does it compare to the kilt you're wearing right now? Uh, uh, you mean this denim one with yeah. legs? <laughs> very different. Oh, very, very different. different. So, um, yeah, so anyways, that led into, eventually they started uh, you know, thinning the herd mm-hmm. and finding guys who really, really loved it. I really started to love scotch. Yeah. Uh, also, while I was working at Tuta Posto, I sat down with one of the owners, he invited me to sit down and have a drink with him at the bar, and we had some Springbank 21-year-old. Oh, wow. Now, at the time, again. You didn't know. Yeah. Old whiskey. What does that mean? Yeah, You know, how many old whiskeys at that point? A lot of people now, it seems like, oh, oh, yeah, old whiskey. It's really good, and it's expensive. Back then, there was nobody telling you this. You had no idea. Uh, Now, they knew, the owners knew that it was expensive, but they had no idea what it was. Yeah. Anyways, he and I basically polished off the bottle, <laughs> which caused a fight between him and Tony Montuana, which kind of led to the breakup of their partnership. Um, nice work. Yeah, thanks. You drink a whole... I wasn't bottle. that crazy about that guy anyways. <laughs> I thought he was one of the two owners. I always liked Tony, but... Um, so, uh, I really, really got into scotch. I really loved it. And... Uh, I wanted to learn more and more, and this is doing promotions back then was really the only way. I mean, think about it. We had no internet. Yeah. I mean, what book were you going to buy? I, I don't know. I mean, you go to a library, I suppose, and look up Scotch, but most public libraries aren't going to have a bunch of books on Scotch, at least how, back not then. How did you get, how was it Scotch before any other American whiskeys? No, like I said, it was bourbon. With Booker's, yeah. Yeah, Booker's, and I would try others, but I mean, again, American whiskey also didn't have a, a great reputation. Absolutely not. We're yeah. coming out of the we're coming out of the eighties. Yeah. And it was the single batch uh bourbons that were um kind of taking the line from so Diageo had already re- released the classic malts in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um McAllen had made it uh single malt scotch premium. Uh because you had Glenlivet, you yep. had Glenfiddich prior, you had some other single malts meandering about, but nobody considered it super premium until McAllen. Yep. And then the classic malts made it seem so much more diverse by mm. creating the regions. Um, but, you know, uh, the funny thing is, I'm sure there was some great bourbon out there yeah. meandering, yeah. though uh, also a lot of bourbon was going to Japan. Absolutely. The Japanese... Yeah. We're on top of it well before Americans got Americans. back into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah Cause makers was really the only one that kind of survived out of that area era, if you will. And then the small, batch, yeah. small batches from, uh, yeah. I mean, if I, rem- and, well, Turkey, if I remember on my back bar, I mean, you would have beam and Jack Daniels in your well, right. You would have had, uh, you probably might have a, a bottle of one of the McCallans okay. unless you were a little more higher up and you could, uh, remember 21, uh, or not, uh, McAllen 25 was like a hundred bucks mm-hmm. back then. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I got a buddy of mine who, who still has a couple of bottles that came in the original wooden crates and 
Those things are worth a mint now. Um, wow. Well, even like in 07, 08, when I started investing more time into bars and such, uh, you still saw mostly scotch over American brands. I mean, oh, yeah. And good whiskey. No, no. Yeah, scotch bourbon's, was the first. Bourbon's yeah. re- so revival new. has come with uh, a new energy down in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, all these new craft distilleries yep. throughout the, the country making bourbon. Um, yeah, prior to that, though, I mean, it was slow going. Yeah. Um, Sorry and, to derail you from your story. We can yeah, also no. get into that, too, because I'd love to hear your perspective on how that growing over, once to get into 2010, 2012. <laughs> yeah. As we're in 95 right, right. now. Uh, everybody just fast forward about <laughs> two hours, because that's a, that's a whole 15 more years. Let's get the fireplace well, started. Whole, you know, the premise in the industry, I just felt asking you that would just take us through that journey yeah, absolutely. pretty much because you've seen we're it. Getting and getting we're getting there. We're 15 years away. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I'll, try to, I'll try to speed up the no, time no, machine no, a little bit. All now. we got is time. Don't you worry about um, So what do we do? We, uh, you were, I was do, so you got, you I, I was doing that stuff part-time. Uh, I was doing the uh, Johnny Walker stuff part-time. Part of the clan for Then a while. they started asking us to do the classic vaults. And now this... this classic vaults. To show you, this was prior to Diageo even existing. So Diageo, this was, I worked for Guinness UDV. Mm. Um, then Guinness UDV merged with Grand Metropolitan, a British company that owned, owned Pillsbury, oh, Pillsbury. And, mm. and Burger King. Um, <laughs> then, uh, so they merged, they got rid of the food stuff, um, and then... I, I still, I actually, I was working through Shefflin Somerset at the time. They were the importers, and those guys, when Diageo and Shefflin decided, when Diageo felt they had their feet underneath them, yeah. and they they had split up Seagrams between themselves and uh, Pernod Ricard, and they, you know, they felt, okay, we're ready, bring these brands back, like Tangeray and Johnny Walker and the Classic Malts. They had to get rid of Diageo, or UDV, so own Doers, and a lot of those single malts, too. They had a oh, wow. massive amount of whiskey from hmm. Scotland. Um, then, um, once they did that, Shefflin Somerset became Moat Hennessy. So, that's... I was quite familiar with, uh, and still am with, a lot of the Moat Hennessy brands. Um, anyways, that's about 2002, December 2002. is when they, they had elevated a couple of us to full-time presenters. So we go out and do these Johnny Walker Journey events for, you know, 100 and, 150 people mm-hmm. per event. Yeah. And maybe sometimes we do two events a night. Oh, wow. Um, was this all in the States? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, at, when I went full-time in 2003, January 1st, uh, uh, when I went full-time in 2003, they gave me 12 states. Wow. So I had the Dakotas, which were <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, how was that? Uh, <laughs> I only went once. I, I went to Fargo, but I'm an interesting story if you want to hear about Fargo. Not much changed. Uh, the, uh, but all the way to West Virginia. Um, I had Michigan and Ohio. I had a lot of control states. Uh, And I'd travel around to all of them. Now, uh, interesting thing. When they made us full-time Masters of Scotch, we were at this point. Because we were only doing Johnny Walker and Classic Waltz. Um, There were no brand ambassadors other than the old guys from Scotland. You know, Anthony Burnett was 
coming over. Uh, he was an Englishman, uh, but he represented uh, uh, Glenmorangie. So he'd come over, and he was probably the first staff training I ever had. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was working at this doomed cigar bar <laughs> behind uh, the Drake Hotel called Shelley's Backroom Tavern. <laughs> what a schmuck that guy was. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> the um, uh, then, um, where was I? So, sh- yeah. December 2002. Something yeah, about a schmuck. 2002. Oh, so, yeah. There was no job description. They brought us over to Scotland for a week to do the Mold Advocate course. Okay. And then they said, all right, you start January 2nd. And I go, start what? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, we're getting paid a salary. So okay. it was full time. Yeah. Benefits. Everything was really yeah. sweet. Nice. This is like the first salary job I ever had. So you were still tending bar at that point. Uh, I was. Yeah. Obviously, I quit everything yeah. when I got this. Um, but I'm going, yeah. Were you st- wait, where were you pretending bar at, though? At that point, I would have. Oh, actually. Actually, at that point, I wasn't tending bar. I was still doing promotional work. I mm. do. All sorts of, you know, any kind of liquor stuff that came up. Okay. I was you were all over promotional that. manager um, for uh, uh, Captain Morgan events. Gotcha. Um, Absolute, because okay. that was the Seagram's. Um, Big era for those brands, yeah. Oh, yeah. huge. Oh, yeah. Huge. Huge. And, you know, who got me into a lot of that stuff was Dave Schmier. That's how oh, I met Dave. Really? Yeah, gotcha. Dave uh, Schmier of uh, Redemption Rye, uh, Deadwood Bourbon, Indie Spirit Expo fame. Yeah. <laughs> Look them up. Google them. There's only really one line on them. That's it. <laughs> I call him Mysterious Dave Schmier. Schmier. Um, so, uh, yeah, there was, there was, oh, I, uh, you know what I was doing when I quit? I quit. I was, for about a year, I was the, uh, I was the subscription manager for Poetry Magazine. Really? Over at the Newberry Library. Really? Yeah. So I'm very cultured, as you can tell. <laughs> um, yeah, I did that for about a year, and that was that was tough only because I, all, all, for the previous 11, 12 years, <laughs> most of my jobs required me to stay up till yeah. you know, yeah. 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. Here I'm getting up, and I'm supposed to be there at 9. <laughs> oh, my God. And stay till what time? It's, 2, uh, three? Five, 5. Okay. Oh, no. It was a full-time gig. Um Anyway, so I was kind of glad to get out of there. Um, yeah, but there was no job description. And so it's amazing when I see brand ambassadors now or bartenders yeah. who want to be brand ambassadors. And they think, oh, man, it's so glorious. And, ooh, I can't wait and blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, well, just wait. Now they have freaking, <laughs> they do have freaking job descriptions. Yeah. And they have KPIs. KPIs for us didn't come around. That's key uh, performance indicators, everyone. Um, <laughs> They didn't come around until, I don't know, five or six years later. Okay. And we were all going, what, what? the shit is this? we got to hit numbers now? Yeah. What's we're, a KPI? You're giving us goals? What's a KPI? Yeah. We have to do reporting? God damn it. Wasn't our expenses enough? Um, <laughs> that's how I see it. That's how I thought. <laughs> that's how I see it as well. <laughs> <quite> my <laughs> expenses could take me all day. Hey, I mean, 17 <laughs> years later, this is brand ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like. I got it. Uh, but yeah, all that was great. You know, so there was originally seven of us, Steve Beal in San Francisco, uh, uh, who, uh, James uh, McCartney, uh, McCartney in uh, <laughs> Dallas. She was a Glaswegian. Uh-huh. Glaswegian. Which was kind of funny 
uh, he was, uh, it turned out, I, I don't know, how, the story I heard, someone, they, when they hired him, they thought he was in his 50s, but we were all basically being hired to replace Evan Katnack, who was already, by that time, in his 60s. Okay. And it uh, turned out James was like six months younger than Evan. <laughs> <laughs> and as time went on, they, they, you could see that uh, you know, he'd go on work wits and he'd fall yeah. asleep in the car. Or he'd say, oh, pull over here to the men's warehouse. I'd like to go to the men's warehouse. We did a whiskey event with them once. I'd like to go back and say hello. Was it with this men's warehouse? No. But I'd like to see some jackets. I'm like, this is on to work with, with a distributor rep. Or uh, pull into this AT&T office. I got to pay my phone bill. And they, the guys, James was crazy. We went to Scotland once um, on the Classic Mall cruise, which Diageo used to do. And these were really cool. There was huh. three schooners. And oh, we were wow. all on these three schooners that were like 40... 60 feet long, maybe about seven or eight of us on each schooner. Nice. And we pulled into a, a cove at the top of the northern part of Jura. And we jumped in the dinghy, rowed ashore, and we're walking the shoreline. All of a sudden, James strips down to his tighty whiteies. <laughs> and we're going, that water's freezing. James, what are you doing? But he slowly walks in like a little Poseidon. <laughs> he has very white hair, and but very tan skin. It, a, it looked like a... Idaho potato with a little wig on. And so he, he climbs, he walks into the, into the water about, oh, about nipple deep. <laughs> and then he, uh, in fact, I think that's what they call that cove now. Nipple, nipple deep. deep. Nipple deep cove. Don't wade too deep at nipple deep. Um, and what we think James did is that he forgot to bring extra undies on this trip. So he took his undies off and washed them right there on the shores of <laughs> yeah, the Isle of break, you know. <laughs> So after that, we called him the gray seal. The gray, <laughs> the gray seal, seal as he waded out of the water like a god. What a character. Plus, that water is freezing. Yeah, and yeah. His, his skin must have been just sealed tight by all the sunbeds that he laid down in. Because <laughs> he just came out, he was fine, he puts his clothes back on. Yeah, what's okay. the problem? <laughs> um, uh, so let's see, there's James, he was down in Dallas, Brad, Jarvis in Boston. He used to sell cheese before he became master of whiskey. <laughs> that was the problem too. Is, yeah, well, they gave wonder. us these titles. I'm thinking, you can't call us masters of scotch. We're not freaking masters of anything. Yeah. Brad used to sell cheese. James worked in a hotel. <laughs> You're writing poetry. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's like, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not even writing poetry. I'm writing subscriptions. I'm subscriptions. subscriptions. Um, I mean, it, was, it would be like if the Magnificent Seven showed yeah. up and they found out, have any of you shot a gun before? <laughs> no. But I used to sell cheese. Big fan of Chuck so, Norris. So there's a lot of that. Um, Steve was probably the, uh, Steve Beal was probably the, the most experienced as far as some of that's concerned. We had Spike McClure. Simon Brooking, who you may run yep, into yep, yep. every once in a while. Simon was originally really? one what of was, us. But he? just okay. before they offered us these gigs, he jumped over and took the job with the Dalmore. Okay. Um, and now I look at Simon, man. I mean, this has been, I mean, uh, what was 17, eight, 
2003 to well, 2002 to now. Yeah, 16 I mean, that's 17 years. years. That man is on the road. It seems like he's on the road constantly. Oh, I've still. actually run into him just on at happenstance. He's not even doing a the a show yeah. in this market. And I'll run into him in a bar and I go, Jesus, dude, do you really ever? And he's married. Had I think his kids are grown, but yeah. still, still full of life too. Um, so uh, that so I did that for I don't know. Until 2007, in December 2007, I get a call from Ireland. Nice. And Diageo Ireland needs someone to tell the Irish about Irish whiskey. That makes sense. And I'm thinking, yes, who do what you call? Better than the American. Southwest American. kid from Chicago. Because yeah. we know everything. Oh, so but I, I guess about 2004, 2005, I forget which, right in there. Yeah. That's when they, they decided to give us uh, Bullet Bourbon, Crown Royal, mm. George Dickel, and um, and Bushmills. Diageo oh. had bought Bushmills. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this was great. I and mean, we had this whole world of whiskey, and we loved it. I thought it was great. And every year, you know, throughout the year, obviously, starting in January, I'd start pushing Bushmills. And then after that, I'd start pushing single malts while it was still kind of a chilly spring and mm-hmm. moving into Father's Day. And yeah. then it took June, July. In August off. And then you start in August, you start pushing the single malts. Oh, well, you could do bullet stuff. Bullet. I mean, yeah. a lot of bourbon, yeah, bourbon absolutely. cocktails. Um, however, remember, the whole mixology craze really yeah. hadn't Haven't hit happened yet. yet. Yeah. I, so I get this call from Diageo, Ireland. I go over. Um, what were people drinking back then cocktail-wise? Where? Oh. Here in the state. At least it, it was, it was like, I mean... Whiskey obviously was on the rise. You had Manhattans. When I was bartending in the nineties, yeah. Big thing was vodka, man. Yeah, definitely. You had, yeah, for sure. I would get Captain Cokes. Uh, I worked at three one two Chicago uh-huh. um uh for about two or two two years, I guess. Two or three. And um uh big thing. Everybody always wanted super hard shake yeah. on the vodka. Vodka martini, and I go, it's a martini, it's vodka. I'm just I'm trying to be a purist here. Even <laughs> I knew that at that time, and I hadn't even had that much training. Uh, Cosmopolitans okay. were very big. Because of Sex and the um, City. Manhattans. Yeah. Manhattans were just coming on. Okay. Or returning. They returned. Um, okay. Long Island's. Long Island's always been a thing. Always, yeah. Yeah, but I, uh, not a place like this. This was a lot of suits, and they didn't really... I mean, yeah, you get some, but Long Island's were still... You know, in the, a lot of the taverns mm-hmm. or a lot of the Lincoln Park bars. Yeah, college bar area. Um, the, uh, it was funny when I was doing those Absolute Grant mm-hmm. uh, promotions in Captain Morgan, we'd go to these college towns. That's the only place we push these. And it was the, the promotions would either be Absolute Stomp, so I had three stomp dancers with me. Wow. So we go in, they play us down a board, and they do the whole stomp thing. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. It was great, but... We did it in a little uh, boutique, uh, you know, almost a cafe up in Boys Town, and uh, shit, <laughs> plates were falling off and stuff because they just had plank so floors. Much oh, yeah. oh man, the dust, <laughs> dust was rising up too. Jeez. Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, well, uh, we're well, going to cut this we're short, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but absolute, uh, we go to the college towns, and the college towns, uh, and I'm sure it's still this way, the, the big fish tanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaeger bombs. Um, uh, later on, uh, when 
Jameson started really coming yeah. on. You start getting the pickle juice what, thing. Yeah, what, what year was that with Jameson when it made such a surge in the U.S.? Well, actually, so if you want to know that story. Love to the hear word, it. The word I always got, it was that. So Pernod Ricard yep. owned both Bushmills and Jameson. Jameson was slightly ahead of in, you know, global sales. Mm-hmm. And so they only had so much marketing money. You know, Irish whiskey, obviously, was almost all but dead yeah. at that point. St. Paddy's Day, you'd see, and, you yeah. know, certain Irish pubs would push it, but it just wasn't enough. Um, and so they had to decide between the two brands who they're going to put the marketing dollars behind. And it's really a shame. Wow. Because, I mean, obviously, Jameson was ahead, but I always thought Jameson... Was ahead because if you taste Jameson next to Bushmills, Jameson is much lighter. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, people can drink it and feel like they're drinking whiskey, and yet it's really kind of, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like it's almost the Miller Lite of Irish whiskey. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Miller Lite. Um, Shout out to Miller Lite. And it's just kind of crazy now, too, with, like, all the whiskey tourism that happens. Like, Bushmills, right there in Northern Ireland, it's like one of those beautiful spots in the entire world. And it's a small town, but there's a ton of tourism to be all around it right now. And you think, yeah, Dublin's great and all, but to have that experience up there where it's a little more quieter, um, Giant's Causeway and everything, which uh, is one of the most... Oh, it's gorgeous. And plus, yeah. you know, you can always, too, draw the, the tie between Northern Ireland because if you stand on the Giant's Causeway, you look over to your right, right. and what do you see? But the Isle of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that's... Isle is supposed to be the birthplace of Scotch whiskey, Scotch. so... Mm-hmm. You know, you can always make the argument if the Irish did teach the Scots how to uh, make whiskey, that's where they went. Yeah. That's where the monks went. Um, but the other big killer was that during the 90s, Bushmills was doing all this experimental stuff. They were like the Buffalo Trace really? of Irish whiskey. So if you want to taste any of that, taste some of the rare bottlings. Yeah. And especially the older stuff that Teelings is putting out because they bought it all. Yep. Um, Teeling whiskey? Yep. So I went to, I was in Dublin a couple of years back, met up with a buddy of mine I knew from my Dublin days, and he took me up to the Palace Bar upstairs, great Irish whiskey bar. Really highly recommend it. Very cool, very cozy, nice, small little kind of square bar. And uh, he gave me a 21 year old double distilled peated. Um, single malt whiskey from Teeling. Hmm. I said, oh, oh, man, well, this is, I tell you, wow, that's really good. Mm. Wow, is that old Connemara? He goes, no, that's Bushmills. Hmm. Bushmills experimented with a double, uh, you know, usually Bushmills is triple distilled. Here they're doing a double distilled hmm. and peated. You go, what? Yeah. Bushmills isn't peated. Exactly. What the heck? So they, they had all sorts of stuff. That's that cool. oldest single malt ever, oldest Irish single malt ever yeah. released, I think 34 years old, that Teeling put out, that's Bushmills. <laughs> so they were, you know, it just killed me. Because when I was living over there, I was Which really back pushing. back into your Dublin days. Yeah, yeah, so when I went over, I was supposed to be, uh, it turned out Guinness is, a, it was a, well, Guinness is a, you know, Diageo is a brewery. And they sell beer. Oh, and they also happen to have some spirits there. And it was crazy because they sold nearly 900,000 cases of Smirnoff vodka in Ireland. Jesus. That's like 10 million bottles. Jesus. 
Yeah, it's insane. Early two um, thousands, mid two thousands. This is two. This has been two thousand eight to two thousand ten. Okay. Jesus. Um, yeah, just nuts. And and think and yeah, you know, yeah, it's nice, but you know, as soon as Heineken got a bigger percentage point, oh, let's forget about the the spirits. Uh, let's talk about what we can do with some. The frozen Guinness or something. <laughs> they kept on going back to this. I go, guys, it's freaking Ireland. They get 8 million tourists. Actually, I think it's up to about 11 million now. Um, you think people are coming over to drink Heineken in Ireland? No. They're going to drink the freaking hell out of the Guinness. Just don't worry about it. Mm. You know, if Heineken gets a little boost every once in a while, it's just because... They brought their wives or exactly, something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, besmirched in the ladies, but it, it's true. It's yeah. most of the, even most of the women I worked with at Guinness would drink Carlsberg. Mm-hmm. Actually, even a lot of the guys started drinking Carlsberg. It's embarrassing. I couldn't even get any of my sales for, uh, force to drink whiskey. Very rarely. <laughs> um, and I almost had to draw a diagram to show them how to make a Moscow mule. Wow. <laughs> it was really amazing. That's they cool. asked me to come in and say, Marty, could you make it? I go, it's simple. You just get a, a copper mug with ice. You pour in the vodka. Then you pour ginger beer on top and squeeze oh, it and uh, some uh, limes. Yeah. And they go, do you put the limes in first? <laughs> I go, no, no. Put the lime in the coconut. told you how you do it. And that's how you can do it. Or if you want, you can put the limes in first. It doesn't sure, matter. No one cares. Yeah. It all comes Upside in down, down that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Legs um, up. I mean, they really thought, you know, we were putting together an atomic bomb. Was that because there's no <laughs> cocktail culture over there? There was. There was very little. There was very little. There was a few guys. And you got to remember, too, the Internet and Facebook were just really coming into play. Yeah. Actually, Facebook was great for me because some of the bartenders I knew, there was a great bartender up at the Merchant. Okay. Uh, was Facebook I, even public to the, or public to the public outside of college or universities? Cause like it, that, yeah, it had to. Because okay. that's when I signed up. Okay. It was in Ireland because it was great to keep track of folks back home. Um, and as it turned out, you know, this, uh, this one fellow, Hayden, Hayden Lambert, I believe he is from New Zealand. He was the bartender at the Merchant in Belfast. And he says, oh, if you're going to Rome, you've got to check out this guy, Max LaRocca. Hmm. And I did. And poor Max was working. A very beautiful hotel in Rome, but, you know, empty. Hmm. Uh, empty bar area, a lounge. He had one couple. But he was fantastic. I mean, in what some regard? Of the best fantastic service. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his drink, yeah, you know, he spent a lot of time at the bar making drinks for me, yeah. showing uh, me on different things he was working with, but that hotel didn't want to bother with mm. um he made me a cigar zacapa daiquiri really a cigar smoked he put a yeah. chunk of cigar on a block of wood yeah lit it put the glass over it made a zacapa daiquiri took the glass and just poured it uh, straight, straight in, in. Oh, wow. it was it blew my mind it was so delicious it was so good huh. um but as he's doing this there's this couple over here they're kind of waiting for the drink um, it, I didn't think he was slow at all. Yeah. You know, as far as the whole mixologist thing went, he was fast. That was the other good thing. Um, anyways, the server came, brought the drinks. Max said, excuse me, Martin, I'll be right back. <laughs> and he followed the waitress and apologized for 
the delay on the cocktails. Yeah. There was nobody else in this place except those that couple. Except Marty. And yeah, and yet he, <laughs> I thought it was, he just had that great Italian. Yeah. Hospitality sense. My, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, Always, anyway, yeah. so that's, that helped me out too as I, I would take these long bank holidays um, that they have over in Ireland in the UK. They had nine of them. Yep. Jesus. So every, and it was always a Monday. So you had these long weekends. I had nothing to do. I, um, so I would go and travel Europe. Mm-hmm. I'd go to Sweden, Prague, uh, Budapest, uh, Rome, Stockholm, uh, uh, South France. What, what's that? In, uh, uh, Morocco? Paris? No, no I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I went to Paris. Um, went to Shedam. Anyways, uh, I, and I look at what other cocktail cultures were doing, and because of Facebook now, it's like, hey, do you guys know anybody network, here, yeah. here, okay. or do you know any bars? I go, it was great. It was such. A, it was the beginning of this really great network that now you see yeah. all over the place. Everybody's connected. I have. I, I'm still getting friend requests from people in Russia I've never met <laughs> and everything's in Russian so I yeah. don't know what the hell it's how, just, uh, yeah. some, some fun people over there yeah. some they call them bots uh, how, um, how was the communication before that before the internet was there any communication at all between bartenders or bars in general or just people who were whiskey in, enthusiasts in Chicago there was a nice culture you know, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, you didn't have a lot of great cocktail bars. Yeah. Um, I mean, you didn't have the drawing room or Violet Hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I only learned about mixology when I was over in Ireland. Really? Yeah. Everyone was expecting me when they, uh, because they were influenced by a lot of what was going on in New York. Yep. Um, not, you know, I don't think it, it, it hadn't hit Chicago as far as I knew. When before I left, so I'm going over there, and they expect me to be able to come up with some kind of crazy thing using some kind of you know some kind of obscure little boutique. Mm. Ooh, this is a lavender little made from squirrel bladder. I think you'll enjoy this. (laughs) I love that squirrel bladder. Put the tincture in a squirrel bladder, and then I spray it above the cocktail. Um, Was that because they had a bunch of expats coming over to the states and then returning? With that information? Well, you did. You did have... You, you, well, you know what? It was the rise of Dale DeGruff. Because mm. they knew about Dale. Okay. Uh, also, I got to give... Take uh, my hat off to Sean Muldoon and Jack McGarry yeah. um, at The Merchant. Because they were hosting um, in-depth classes on spirits mm. and on cocktails. And they're inviting... Gotcha. Uh, usually they get someone like Bacardi to yeah. pay for Dale to come over yeah. or all these other guys. Um, and so that was, that I think guys from the South were going up there and they were seeing this. And so when I walk in, I learned my lesson pretty early on because I was on that level of bartending. Yeah. I probably hadn't picked up a shaker yeah. in, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many years. Beer and a shot? Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could. I remember making martinis, and I make a zest, and yeah. you know, uh, or a, a cosmopolitan. I always liked using. I was. I thought I was innovative in the '90s because I, um, Dave Gaverser. I followed Dave Gaverser's uh, 
queue at the Matchbox. Okay. And he was the first one that, that I saw in Chicago using fresh juices. Really? Yeah, yeah. And, and not using the gun. No, no. And okay. then yeah. use the gun juice. there. Yeah. Everything, you know, bottles or fresh juice. The guys go in there hours ahead of time mm-hmm. and squeeze all the lemon and lime juice. Didn't know that. Um, and so Kimpton was doing that, and that was great. Uh, and we were doing, for me, my little, my little uh, count, um Contribution to the uh, the cocktails was I would play around with different stuffed olives and different garnishes. Okay. Really, All right. so you know this one would be a blue cheese stuffed olive, which was pretty common yeah. back then. Yeah. But then, oh, pistachio stuffed olive, uh, squirrel bladder <laughs> squirrel stuffed bladder, olive. My favorite. Love the squirrel. I had a whole bunch of closet full of squirrel. I'm bladders. sorry for everyone missed that so. that uh, era. The, the whole squirrel bladder. <laughs> the whole squirrel bladder. There was a lot of squirrels and. Uh, <laughs> Still are. <laughs> had to uh, had to do something with them. Um, so uh, yeah, so that was it. Was I, I thought it was pretty mundane over here. Mm-hmm. The big thing here in Chicago prior to me leaving was I thought there was good a growing whiskey culture. You know, when Whiskey Fest came to town, yeah, it was it was pretty easy for me to generate a you know. A whole series of whiskey events. What year? Starting what was the first year of Whiskey Fest? First year of Whiskey yeah. Fest. Whiskey Fest. I want to say. Well, they only sell. They celebrate their twentieth anniversary um, in New York. I want to say twenty. Is that twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen? I Maybe know it's twenty sixteen. Huh. Yeah. Well, but see, when it first started, it was small. Yeah. It was yeah. quite small. Was in just- fact, Malt Advocate, which is now Whiskey Advocate. Yep. Malt Advocate was a beer magazine. That's what they started off as. Makes sense. And so, uh, but then they started seeing this growth of whiskey. Yeah. Um, and so they uh, they started a, a whiskey fest that would have been, I don't know, maybe in a room the size of a classroom or a oh, meeting wow. room. Wow. It was pretty small. Yeah, pretty hotel small. meeting room type thing. Yeah, you'd have maybe... 15 tables in there. Hmm. Um, and then slowly it grew, grew and grew to the behemoth that it is now. Um, and uh, the, um, and, and I guess that would have been, yeah, by the mid eight, uh, mid aughts, okay. um, it was so big. Mike Miller was doing his, and he still does it to this very day. Every uh, Monday before Whiskey Fest, he hosts kind of a Whiskies of the World yeah. upstairs on the pool table, and he'll invite different guests. <laughs> For a while, he and I would do that because I had access to all this yeah. whiskey mm. from Diageo. Um, <laughs> and then I would ask Diageo for money and say, hey, you know, let me, you know, give me 10000 bucks, and I will create events. I'll staff them, and well, you know, some I'll do, but others... You know, hand off to somebody else, and we'll we'll just cover the city. Yeah, yeah. You know, any whiskey uh, venue there was, um, and that's what we did for the longest time. Mm. Uh, it was great too, because you know, uh, yeah, the Binnie's Binnie's event used to be in the catacombs of the Ivanhoe store. <laughs> wow. That was always fun because it was tighter, yeah, and smaller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now Creepy. it's so big. <laughs> yeah, the little bones and all. Um, is that where tonight's event is? Huh? Is that where tonight's event is? Mm, or is no, I don't think it's going to be there. Oh, is it Marshy Street? Okay. 
Wait a minute. Which event? Tonight's. Your nieces. No, Your nieces. Dan Ackroyd's. Dan Ackroyd's. Uh, Dan Ackroyd's. Lakeview. Ten. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay. Lakeview. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then, anyways, as time went on, when I came back, there wasn't as much cohesiveness. I thought it was interesting that... So you came back in 09? I came in back the, like right around Christmas of 09. Okay. And stayed for good. I had to uh, ship out, actually. They, were you asked to leave? So, well, <laughs> yes. Alan Clark, uh, part one. I forget. Daly? Daly didn't want me back. Daly didn't want you back? Had a showdown with him. Oh, yeah. I said, listen, you little chubby squirt. <laughs> Don't make me bitch slap you. So help me God. Did you call him out to a gentleman's duo? <laughs> yes, I slapped him. <laughs> slapped him with gloves. a glove, but I made sure I dipped it in water bladder. first, so it was nice and hard. Like um, no, I, uh, Diageo, so the, this young uh, woman had taken over my position mm. uh, when I was here, and she actually told me she was leaving. She told me before I came back that she was going to quit. I said, okay, great. Well, let yeah. them know. <laughs> And instead, uh, I came home and they said, well, uh, she's still in that position. Do you want to take over the guy in D.C. left? Okay. Back to New York. You want D.C.? I go, well, I guess so. And so I had to buy a new car. And I drove the same car I'm driving now, a little Honda Fit. And uh, drove through the Allegheny Mountains to D.C. to find out that it is a it was beautiful town now. Yeah. It's amazing what a decade does but yep, absolutely. it was crappy yeah. uh, no place to park and apartments I went to look at an apartment that they called English Garden <laughs> sounds so nice I thought oh am I going to be surrounded by flowers like daffodils and such oh. instead you know an English garden is where you see a little window uh, underneath the steps yep. at the front and then it's built on a hill so your only exit entrance into the place is through the alley. Mm-hmm. Then you go in, and I go, this is an English garden. This is your basement. <laughs> this is the family's, in- basement. <laughs> the family's basement. The family's basement. There's toys on the floor. There's stairs leading from the house. You're also a babysitter, too. If yeah, you. I guess it was. <laughs> well, and I also must have been the plumber because in the bathroom or in the bedroom was a wooden box that rose about six inches off the floor, but it was like maybe three by three right in the corner. I go, well, what's that? And they go, Oh, um, yeah, that's the sump pump. And I go, in my bedroom. I'm next to the sump pump. Well, I guess I don't have to worry about it flooding in here, do I? No. And there was no windows either, just these two little, they were like gun turret windows. Goodness. So you, t- uh, so you took the unit. Yeah, no. They wanted 1600 bucks for it. In Holy 2009? Shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was Garden apartment. So I was there about five days looking for an apartment. I'm sitting out front, and it was snowing. It was, you know, January. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting out front, and uh, the, um, uh, what was it? Um, I was sitting out front of a, a big, massive place. I was actually now looking in Virginia for apartments. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sitting waiting for this realtor to come up to an- another crappy-looking building. Um, I, I get a phone call and they said, oh, hey, look, uh, Joanna's left. Uh, 
you interested in your old job back? I go, fuck mm. yeah. And I <laughs> turn that car around. <laughs> just right back drove, to the Allegheny. Straight back. <laughs> it was like Albert Brooks in uh, Great America, or uh, Lost in America. <laughs> just mm. beelined it all the way back to Chicago. Nice. And as it turned out, my old apartment was, still there. was free again. Well, there you go. So I said, all my stuff fits here. I'm moving back in. Nice. So it's like those two years in Ireland were just a dream, really. Yeah. Um, awesome. Anyways, I did that for another year, got bored, uh, quit. Oh. I got tired oh, of yeah. a lot of the rigmarole, and, and I thought they were becoming a lot more stringent, a lot more. I was getting in trouble for all sorts of shit. Making that, T-shirts? No, <laughs> I wish. T-shirt, I can say, okay, I won't make any more. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but no, it's stuff like uh, we, I, they asked me to put together a, a, a whiskey, American whiskey trail for me and three of the other masters of whiskey. Cool. The senior masters of whiskey. Senior masters. Senior. You've uh, elevated now. Yeah, we are now yeah, senior, now you're masters. senior masters. You were already a master, but now you're a senior, senior master. master. You're Which, above a master. Somebody okay, call you great. Jedi? Senior, you know, senior master of whiskey. <laughs> and I stuck around another five years, would also meant I would have been the first to get the pink slip. Oh, senior? Um, senior. Oh, oh, out. Elder. Get rid of the elders. So Ageism. I got... Um, uh, yeah, oh, so I, yeah, so I put this thing together. We were in Kentucky. You met with the Bourbon Review Boys. Okay. Because we were told, hey, you know, hobnob with the press, if you, you know, any media. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, we were at the Penn Dennis Club. Mm-hmm. We are you know, the, where it used to be, uh, thought that's where the old fashion was created. Um and, oh, by the way, a little addendum to that. Yeah. Uh, I did, had to do an article for Dave Wondrich. She's doing an yep. uh, encyclopedia of spirits and cocktails. Oh, cool. Yes. And I wrote about the, um, there was a bar here in Chicago that they believe was actually the birth of the old of fashioned. The old fashioned. It is now an Italian restaurant next to the Russian Tea Room downtown. Oh, I know. I know you're. I know. About, you yeah. saw it. Yeah. But it's amazing. I send you guys pictures of it because the front is still the same. Same as yeah. it was. Huh. From the um, but anyways, yeah. So um, like the 1870s, 1880s. It would been about the 1870s. Bartender there wrote a, co- a cocktail book, and it's the first mention of the old fashioned. The old fashioned. I think that book might be. Wasn't the Manhattan also originated here in Chicago? Mm, I don't know. No. I know Dave Wondrich. Track that down. Now, originally, the old Gosh, tale was it. that it was created for uh, Lady Churchill, yeah, that's right. Churchill's yeah. mother, okay. but that was disproven because she would have been way too young. And uh, uh, I thought it was, but I forget. Obviously, huh. I would think it would have been made in Manhattan. So, Dave, well, I mean, yeah, you would think that, but I mean, yeah. per my understanding, I thought. Maybe not. My, know. my interpretation. I'm sure if you look up Manhattan cocktail Dave Wondrich, because uh, he, yeah. he's the one who debunked. On, on the, on the, the subject of, of uh, cocktails, do, do, you, do you see Chicago as a, inf, as a cocktail town, or are we, I guess you can say, you know, are we just whatever's going Ooh. on, we, we jump on? I, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. No, I should have worded know. that better, I mean, but I apologize. It's kind of hard to say. Because I mean, we, do we influence? Are we one of those places? Like, you know, you were talking about earlier how, you know, uh, New York was 
pretty much what was going on in New York. It was being, you know, brought mm-hmm. to different parts. Well, we've talked to somebody from New York today. We're always five years behind New York. You, you know, when it comes <laughs> to that, to the culture and that, the cocktail culture, well, are we just more of a facilitator or well, are we... That's uh, kind of interesting to think about. I mean, it was um, Jim Meehan. Jim Meehan. I'm not going to fire away from this. Don't Jim you worry Meehan. about that. No, you're good. Um, You'll take on all of our Scottish uh, guests. They always talk far away from the mic like this. <laughs> they, all, they all do. I'm full of Um Jim Meehan, uh, when I was doing those Absolute Crown promotions, yeah. I'd go up to Madison, and okay. that's where he was. That's where originally he was managing a college bar up there. Oh, really? So he's a Midwestern guy. Huh. Yeah, true. You have someone like a Charles Jolie. Yeah. The drawing room. I mean, you look at some of the people the who've done. Room, yeah. Now, whether we have a national influence, it's hard to say. Because, mm. again, I think the media, they, they just Well, you just brought stuff. that up. Yeah, that list. Yeah, that list. I mean, they go, do any of you people I was travel in into yeah. the, the country? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I mean, Instead it's all coast. To coast. coast. Like, yeah, it's, it's all, all coastal coast. and then Hong Kong and London. Yeah, and we're spoiled in this city though, with the riches we have for when it comes to cocktails, bars, uh, we are. whiskey we bars, Which is food. why I asked that yeah. question because I'm like, when we're here, we're from here, we're all very prideful of being Chicagoans, whether we're transplants or true, true blues. But at the same time, it's like, what influence does it do we have outside of Chicago mm. or outside the proper Midwest? You know, people come here, people, you know, leave here, and they take something that they've experienced back home well, and look for something comparable to well, it. Well, if you look at, if you go down to Louisville, mm. you got Silver Dollar. Yep. Yeah. And who's Which, that? Larry Rice. You're just there, right? Yeah. That was um, kick-ass. I had a great fucking Yeah, and that's a great there. place. Yeah. And that's the go-to-go place. In fact, I had a, I was just down there, there for twice. Bourbon yeah. and Beyond, <laughs> and we were, uh, we had an Airbnb just one block away. So nice. that's basically where we went every night. Um and then if you look at, so the drawing room, which was not a big place. No. Yeah. Small restaurant, big, even yeah. smaller bar. It was part of but La Passage. Look at the guys, look at the people who work there. And yep. now they've all gone off to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Got uh, Christiana is uh, uh, you know, the Clark Street. Uh, Liz, what Liz Pierce has done with the Drifter. Mm-hmm. And how many people are going to those places yeah. and going, oh, man. like to mm. Uh, then obviously Violet Hour. Violet Hour doesn't get uh, as much credit. I mean, think of all the people who have come from there. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's like the second city of Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. funny you say that. Yeah. But I think that's on purpose. What? I think that plays to that's their, their mystique. Yeah, oh. I think. What they, they, I, I, I feel. Well, but see how they, you know, I think they they play to that. You know, just like not on. Uh, and I apologize with all due respect to who they are. I dig it there. I just, I just feels like that's part of their whole mm. mo. You know, it's like, yeah, this is the Violet Hour, and that's enough said. Yeah. <laughs> like Second City is. Well, but unless you, someone told you, oh yeah, I did Second but City. The thing, like you did the thing earlier. Is, who would have known that? You would still think media and all these folks who vote on these bar competitions. Yep. Sure. Why wouldn't they? You know, I, I, you know, usually you don't ask permission um, to make a best bar list. You don't ask the bar, hey, is it okay if I put you yeah. on the best yeah, bar yeah, list? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, To write in whatever may yeah, be the yeah, case. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they'll call you up and to get yeah. more info. Know, yeah. And I, uh-huh. I can't imagine the violent hour go, mm, yeah, don't. Don't put us on the best. Oh, no, no, I'm not yeah. saying that at all, Mart. I'm just saying it's, it's more like they're just because of who, like Second City. 
it's a it's a very good comp. They're um, solid ground. Yeah, they, it's just not like, complacent hey, who they are, but they all understand who they, they are. They understand who they are, and yeah. exactly. Thank you, Jake. And well, it's just more like, yeah, hey, well, and people who come out of there, you know, like, hey, um, that's where they started. <clears throat> just as you, you know, as a reference to you know, Second City, I would have not. I think it's a lost recognition of, for the entire city that you, you're when well, you're absent of those lists when there's nobody one, on here. But that's right. just one place. Yeah. Well, but to you know the the thing. It's funny, you know, so I was, like I said, I started off in theater, mm-hmm. and I kind of, I was in improv, mm-hmm. and I got to improv because, especially at Second City, mm-hmm. Second City, there was a lot of politics. I believe it. You know, there was a lot that. of people sleeping with people to get I, ahead, yeah. and yeah. I said, I'm thinks... not sleeping with that guy to get ahead. <laughs> yeah. No way. He's not my type. He's Tina not... Fey, call me. Yeah. No, there was, a, I mean, there was a lot of that. I'm sure. And it was just... Uh, so I got out of that, and I said, you know, I'm going to go into, you know, it would be different, legitimate theater. That would be completely different. <laughs> oh, my God. It was even worse. And then, you know, film or commercial in this town. There was so much butt kissing and everything else. Yeah. Then when I got, I thought, you know what, I'm getting, out of, I'm getting away from all this. It has to be different in the liquor industry because, you know, most of the ex- exposure I had was to, um, the street guys, the mm. the liquor reps, yeah. and those yeah. guys never felt like they were being treated. I'm sure, you know, like you know, nobody was kissing their butt. Yeah, they had kissed butt to accounts, but I never knew to what extent. Yeah. Um, sure. And now you have, you know, you have everybody and their dog wanted to be a celebrity. Yeah. You know, you have mixologists who want, you know to be in articles and to write books as if there's not enough cocktail books. There's not. Are people wanting to be a brand ambassador and somehow get something, yeah. or get awards? Or, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, like... Yeah, it's always funny, like, you have, like, National Brand Ambassador of the Year. It's like, well, what does that mean? Because yeah, well, everyone works hard. That's, so will he get it next year? Yeah, or will exactly. somebody actually be better than him this year? It's kind or of is like, he taken out of... Uh, I often ask that about Jim Murray's whiskey book. Yeah. So if this is the best whiskey of the year, what happened what to happened last, last year's year? whiskey? Or the yeah. products, the smaller brands that were on it, they got a good rating, and then you rate them again, and they've somehow gotten worse. Yeah. You're like, well, they should be producing better product as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a feeling of all the brands around here when it comes to producing at a small batch level. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Do you that, think that the proliferation of social media is really... I think that, I mean, well, that's just it. I think, uh, who are you playing to, you know, like who are these numbers of people that are following you and liking your stuff? What influence does it, does it have? Again, you know, I get people who are contacting me and befriending me on Facebook. I mean, when it's a bartender and go, why does a bartender want to befriend me? I mean, really, what yeah. if, what, I, I can't do anything for you. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, I'd be happy to, advise you, but I don't know what my advice would be good. I mean, if I was a bartender, I'd want Charles Jolie's yeah. advice. Good point. You know, he's the the Mount Everest of, of bartenders. He's um, a senior master of bartending. He is. <laughs> and he is. And he's yeah, great. He is. And, no, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, when, I first, uh, when I first really met Charles, uh, I was doing, um, I was submitting a, a sizzle tape to the Food Network Okay. It was going to be called From Still to Shaker. Nice. And it was going to be a half-hour show where I travel around to di- various distilleries. Heck yeah. Find out, do a little background on the area or uh-huh. the town. And so we did one here in Chicago where uh, 
Uh, we talked about the gangster era. And a buddy of mine was able to find like old uh, 1930s gangster films. And yeah. you know, uh, he cut some stuff in. And there's a guy who's walking up uh, church steps and he gets mowed down. And so we cut to me wearing a trench coat and the same kind of hat going, ow, that's going to leave a mark. You know, stuff like that. So it was supposed to be kind of goofy. But then we you know, interviewed the distillers. We went over here to Cabal uh-huh. and we did that. And then, um, then it's like, okay, but how do you enjoy this? What would be mm. the best way? Obviously, you can drink it neat or yeah. on the rocks. But what's the best way as far as the cocktail? Mm. Well, we went to the drawing room and talked to Mr. Charles Jolie, award-winning uh, mixologist and bartender. So uh, just called up Charles and said, hey, would you mind if we came in? You know, early filmed us with you. And he was so accommodating. He's such a sweet guy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if I was a bartender, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this because <laughs> all five partners that listen to this podcast are going <laughs> to. Well, I'm sure they all. Uh, they, uh, everybody most folks knows know who that he is. Anyways, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's it's to me, you know, with as far as going back to about our city. Um, I think it just does go back to that whole thing. Where's all the major media hubs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where all uh, where all the big liquor companies? Yep. I mean, you, if you don't think they're behind some of these, um, when point. you go down to Tales of the Cocktail, mm. uh, I don't know what they're doing now. I haven't really followed it in the last yeah. year or two. But prior, when they list, oh, the best cocktail bar, you know, as much as I love uh, Sean and Jack. Uh, their bar was open in like January of that year, and they won best cocktail bar that <laughs> July. That didn't you know? Didn't they have to work out some kinks or anything? Yeah, I mean, and you'd think with having like Beam's corporate office here, we'd have a little influence on some having some bartenders featured or some bars featured. But yeah, no, you'd think. Um, I however, blame my wife. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, I think event uh, that is uh, the big problem. I think as far as Chicago not getting the recognition because nowadays, you know, if you want a list of whiskey bars, uh-huh. if you want a list of cocktail bars, and I actually made this up for a friend of mine who owns a distillery, uh, and it's just kind of a, a, a KPI sheet okay. for him. And I said, here, this is something you can hand to your um, your. Uh, brand ambassador and let them use this as kind of a uh, an outline. <clears throat> and uh, I look and I'm thinking, Jesus, there's like 30 really good cocktail bars that I would consider really good. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I don't even think I scratched the surface. Yeah. I know because I keep on finding, oh God, that's right. There's that one and there's this one. Some and new ones. Oh, this little up, small yeah. one. I forgot about that. Um, same thing with whiskey bars. You find out, oh, here's a little hidden gem. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, I love it when people, when bartenders do come over. There's a guy, Paul Lambert, is an Irish bartender coming over from Dublin. Uh, he's opened up a couple. He has, uh, what's it called? The Squeaky Pig? Pig hmm. Easy? Speak Easy? It's a, maybe, oh, the pe- Purple Pig. Oh, oh yeah, it's called the Purple Pig. Michigan. Yeah. A Michigan African? No, well, this is over That's in Dublin. Oh, oh, oh okay, Dublin. Yeah, it's something pig and speakies. Try to gotcha. work that out. Anyways, <laughs> he opened that place up. And I get my he, team right on it. He wrote, he posted recently on Facebook, say, hey, guys, I'm coming over to Chicago for a couple of weeks. I want 
you know, list of these and these and these, and you know, like I can help but go a little, I had a little extra time on my hands. Sure, of course. So I basically listed them all off. Mm. And he said, like, geez, this is amazing. Yeah, it's freaking it is. If you come to Chicago and you can't, somebody told me on a recent trip to Denver that um, they were told Chicago wasn't a whiskey town. <laughs> I go, what? Interesting. You got Delilah's, just one world's, world's best, best whiskey bar. Yeah, and you got freaking Fountainhead over here, which has more probably more whiskey than Delilah's. I think they do, yeah. Uh, Sable has yeah. a nutty amount. Of, you know, you got Entitled is almost all-American whiskey, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and then Franklin Room. You yeah. have all sorts of places. And they're, they have knowledgeable crews, and they... Definitely. Uh, if you're looking for something weird and wacky... You I'll find, can it. find it. That's strange. Sounds so, like we used to put together the ultimate guide to Chicago. 